We're doing it. Yeah, it's happening. It. <laughs> um, oh, I'm so excited. First things first, Fade Maze Live is happening. And Nikki Payne is going to be one of our guests at Fade Maze Live. We're and so excited. one of our guests today on Faded Mates Wednesday. Let's I don't know it. what Fated we're calling Mates regular today. <laughs> Faded Mates rank. Regular, regular. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but we are so excited. Nikki, you joined, you were with us for the 23 for 23 episode last year yes. where we talked about books by BIPOC authors, um, which is one of our, I, I feel so excited about this. Eric told me the other day that it's one of our most popular episodes ever. So what? that's exciting, and we're excited that everybody's doing that, and we hope everybody is doing 24 for 24. 24? Exactly. Or, like, 50 for 24. Oh. However you want to do it. Limit Whatever it. your Don't math limit yourself. Don't limit it. Don't limit it. <laughs> um, but anyway, Nikki, we're super excited because March 23rd, which is coming up very soon, yeah. Nikki is joining us in Brooklyn at the William Vale Hotel for Faded Mates Live. And it's going to be a blast. I cannot wait. Um, but if, for those of you who don't know, this is Faded Mates. I'm Sarah McLean. I read romance novels and I write them. I'm Jennifer Prokop, a romance reader and editor. And we are here with... Nikki Payne. Nikki Payne. Nikki Payne. Badass. Author. <laughs> Author. I write books about the books you were forced to read in the ninth grade. <laughs> Well, that's funny because I'm a middle school teacher and I forced you to read the books you read, you read in ninth grade. And I'm kidding. Yeah. I, I loved those books that I read in the ninth grade. So it's a, it's <laughs> a perfect you really? trio. Did I love Jane Austen in the ninth grade? Did Sarah McLean love Jane Austen in the ninth yes, grade? Sir. Yes, yes, Sarah McLean did. <laughs> yes. The only thing I really remember reading in ninth grade, well, we read Romeo and Juliet. I vividly remember we had to do like a pop quiz. Kate probably is going to defriend me after I say this. And I remember getting like missing one point because I misspelled Shakespeare. Like I left off the E at the end. What the fuck? And then also we read a separate piece. Remember that book? Oh, I don't no. think I've ever read that book. Okay. Sounds a little hot though. I no, know. not at all. Exactly. I, I don't think so. <laughs> I think it's, it was by a guy. It's I, ninth it's like grade. A, it's ninth grade. The guy's name is John Knowles. I think it's at a boarding school. I'm sure if I read it now, I would be like, it's all about repressed homosexuality. But I think at the time I did not know that. And yeah. maybe someone jumps off a tree. That's all I remember. To be fair, I don't think I was assigned Austin in the ninth grade by school because of boys. Mm. And you, as you all know, yeah. Jane Austen is only for girls. She is limited. Yes, of course. Women like, only. Yeah, yeah, like the boys sure. like open the book and they're like, there are no words in here. I don't. <laughs> Actually, if you look at the earliest covers, there's like a spray painted like boys and like the Z is like. <laughs> With like the Z. It's like no, exactly. yeah, boys. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's early, early copies. But um, Steinbeck was definitely for oh, girls yeah, sure. in the, the ninth pearl. grade. So, you know, listen, I will tell you, it, I, not in a long time, but I have taught the Pearl and I will say it oh. is perfectly plotted. Like it, it's just like a textbook of a book if you want to teach plot structure. I'm yeah. not saying you should because it's a drag and kids think it's boring. But. Okay, but you could also like teach a great romance novel that would work too. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I am currently teaching my favorite book of all time, House of the Scorpion, and I'm not going to talk about it because it's just pure and perfect. And if anybody wants to read it, I just like know it's a really great book. Okay. Anyway. Oh I'll say about that. Anyway, why don't we get to Nikki? You write <laughs> uh, – you have written two Austin retellings, your first oh. book, Pride and Protest, and now 
Nikki, was that your first book? Am I? That was. It was. It was your debut. Um, Pride and Protest. And now you've written Sex, Lies, and Sensibility. So we're going to talk about both Jane Austen and James Spader. Because <laughs> I would like to know. <laughs> As it should be. <laughs> I don't know if that's also in your background. But <laughs> okay. Seriously, you guys, there's this one movie. And it's called The Secretary. And oh, yeah. It really... It changed the chemistry of my brain. But yeah, James yeah. Spader is, holds a really weird spot in my heart, and I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> it gets dark. But it does okay. feel like anybody who uses the title Sex, Lies, and Anything is sure. obviously channeling. channeling the great James Spader. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but so let's talk about Austin first, because I think Jen is sort of on the record for not being a huge Austin fan. In fact, I don't think you've ever read any of them, right, Jen? It's fine. I don't think you so. can say it. No. Yeah. It's allowed. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't. I'm a big fan of Clueless, the movie. It's a terrific Gen- because you're because you're a genius. Yeah, that's a great yeah. movie. Sure. Empirically. Um but I yeah, I I don't think I was assigned it in high school. I read Jane No, I read I don't know. You read Jane Eyre Something. Ever? Yeah, I wasn't. The, yeah, I mean, these, it's first person present. I'm sorry. <laughs> Is yeah. it? Oh, no, it's first past. It's first past. That's fine. I think Reader, it's, uh, I married him. <laughs> I, I very much felt like things between Shakespeare and James Joyce, except for a few, like, small, like the romantics maybe, really are... This is really fine. We are there's no there's a no judgment zone. You oh, like books you like and you don't like books you don't like. But it sure. seems like Nikki likes books likes Jane Austen, I would think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let me let me set the scene for you all. Please. Okay. It is it is uh Year of Our Lord, nineteen ninety five. Okay. Oh boy. I'm I was <laughs> <Okay>. there too. <laughs> okay. I remember the Clueless, Clueless came out, right? Yeah. I was I was I was but a teen and like Cher and Dion and just like people of color. And I was, it just was burned in my brain. Like everyone wanted yeah. that little setup that Cher had that like chose her outfits. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. It. And I found out that that was a retelling of Emma. And I'm like, Emma, let me get in the white folks business. Let's see. What, <laughs> what is this about? So I started reading Emma and honestly, I was just like, not a fave. Okay. Um, but then in 1995, also that, Big eight-hour um, Pride and Prejudice yes. game. Colin first coming out of yes. like murky the Moors. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like that came out in 1995, and then and yeah, then that's right, that's right. Like that that sense and sensibility with Emma Thompson, like having yep. that like emotional breakdown on the Shays mm-hmm. Lounge. Yep. With Grant. Like, when was directed by Gwyneth- Ang Lee? That is Come on, a no. stunning movie. Come on. When, when was, was the Gwyneth Paltrow Emma? That was 97 or 98 a couple years later. Uh, fall 1996. It was the first week I was at college. I went to the movies with my new roommate. Come on. Do you guys that. understand that something was happening around? Yeah. I don't know yeah. how we came. Out and they were all like beautiful people falling oh, yeah. in like beautiful love in beautiful places. Yes. Gorgeous. <laughs> gorgeous like stories of like people coming together despite these odds and I just felt at that moment that it had imprinted in my brain it just imprinted somehow and I was a teenager and I was like this better not affect me in any way sexually (laughs) 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 turns out turns out I was a ruin I was a ruin 
<laughs> Amazing. It was just a formative time, I think, in my yeah. life. Well, there is also so much discussion of, and and it's sort of a throwaway discussion that everybody sort of acknowledges about Austin, that she's like making such clear social commentary as she yeah. writes. And one of the things that people who don't read the books but only see the films or, or you know, miniseries don't notice is how much Austin is just in the business of the time. Yes. Like yes. discussion of so many laws and like events yes. and a war going on. And she has a lot of yes. opinions. She has a lot of opinions and she has a lot of really sneaky one-liners about landowners, about gentry, about women, about agency. Yeah, um, She is just giving this time period and the people a lot of side eye. And that's one of the, th- that's one of the reasons why I like to think of myself as like the, like the sassy black friend. Like she was like the, there's that trope, right, of this like mm-hmm. side character. And everyone, like, there's a lot of reason to give that character side eye, but I always felt like those characters had this ability to kind of speak the truth of a situation to the main characters without like impunity. Like that it was they were like the the jester who could just the only one who could tell the truth to the king without getting his head cut off because it was a joke. Right. And so like Jane Austen saying talking about the the lack of agency of these women and and focusing on the marriage market as ridiculous as it was was really one of these ways that she was able to um, make fun of and bring like awareness to a knowledge of like women's place in in the world I mean you know she had feelings about who owned a house when yeah. Yeah. when your father died right yeah <laughs> she had she had a POV yeah. And I think that that's also the really interesting thing. People don't. So one, people really think of Austin as as a political voice, like a a, a commentary on a on a time and a society. Um, they also tend to sort of diminish Austin. I can't imagine why against other authors at, when she really gave us as as authors, deep third POV, right? Like she was writing in third person, but her narrators were the first, were in many ways the first of a kind that Rome, and now romance is very much built, like third person romance is very much built on this concept. Thanks in large part to Austin that like, yes, ma'am. the narrative voice tells you more about feeling than anything else. And yep. That belongs in, in so many ways. It belongs to romance almost exclusively and to and thanks to Austin. So like aside from just being fun and funny and like telling a great love story, she was literally changing the way people write books. And changing the way people have like have the tools that people use to communicate romantic feeling mm-hmm. and feeling it all. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you come to writing. Yes. Nikki Payne comes to writing. And what, so was it just sort of obvious that you were going to do Austin retellings? I mean, obviously, Austin retellings are in the zeitgeist. Yes. But. Yes. Um, for me, I, this is, this is strange. Um, I'm like a, a sci-fi girly. Like I grew up, like I'm a, a very hardcore Star Trek, you know, like I have a favorite captain, you know, like, like we, like, and I. Have, have written and wrote like so much sci-fi and I was writing all this sci-fi and like it was getting no traction like people don't love me and every you know agent was like get out of here with your weird you know mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I was just in this space of feeling like really dejected 
And I know one of the things that like gets me out of that feeling is to like experience this really like lighthearted joy. And I was like going back to Jane Austen and reading Jane Austen and literally just like, this is so joyful for me. And I started again, writing that um, Lisa and Dorsey in this space of, I'm not going to focus on all of these no's. I just want to write something joyful and do something fun and silly and just for me, for the girlies, you know? Um, and then I entered it into Pitch Wars and it, everything just kind of bouldered from there. Can you explain Pitch Wars? Yeah, so Pitch Wars is a Twitter competition where you, uh, well, first it starts off as a submission, right? And you submit your work. And it's like, it can be as rough or kind of, it has to be completed, but it doesn't have to be perfect. So you submit your work and you say, hey, I have this idea and, you know, please think about this. I think there's maybe a cohort of a hundred or so folks from all different genres. And it was going strong for quite a while. It was, and yeah. Think, yeah. And it was really this place, uh, particularly for people of color, to kind of jump over what can be like being at the bottom of every query slush pile. So. Yeah. I just saw this as like this really cool opportunity. I thought I'd created something with a lot of joy and I felt really good about it. And so I submitted it to Pitch Wars and uh, won Pitch Wars in the way that anyone can win. It's just like they're selected, you know, mm-hmm. and got an agent from there and then as an agent and then got with Berkeley. And it just, again, it just rolled out so quickly that I always see Jane Austen. And my anchor in Jane Austen is like, how do I like, kind of return to joy? How do I think about um, myself returning to myself in this in these moments of like sadness? Like, how do I think about joy and everything working out in the end, even when societal structures are kind of against you? And Jane Austen reminds me of that all the time. This week's episode of Faded Mates is brought to you by Blue Box Press, publishers of Visions of Flesh and Blood a blood and ash flesh and fire compendium. Okay, this is so cool. This I, love is, this. I don't think I've ever seen anything done quite this way. So this is a a comprehensive companion guide for background history, information, art and reference to the blood and ash flesh and fire compendium. So it's combined with original short stories and scenes from the blood and ash flesh and fire world and and the most beloved characters in that world but it also includes never before seen visual stuff art illustrations so cool. charts graphs all the whole nine um and it's a treat it seems like it's a real treat and a gift to readers who have loved this series and are desperate for the next book um it's told from the point of view of miss willa herself and the compendium acts like research material so if you can't get enough of these these books and you can't wait for the next book, this is a great little thing to tide you over. It's a journal. It reads like a journal and a cache of personal notes, and allows you to revisit all these characters that you love and maybe so cool. see some new things in different ways. Before you're ready for the next book in the series, I love it. It is available in print and ebook. Thank you to Blue Box Press, Jennifer Armentrout, and Raven Salvador for sponsoring this week's episode. 
So the new book, Sex, Lies, and Sensibility, is a retelling of sorts of Sense and Sensibility. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. can you talk a little bit about how that came to be? Um, Everybody on the podcast already knows about Pride and Protest because we loved it so much. We talked about it a bunch. Um, um, Yeah, so Sense and Sensibility came because I was thinking... I got this tuba contract and it was essentially like, well, you know, you're going to um, do, let's say you do another Jane Austen. And I was just like, yes, obviously persuasion on deck, say less. (laughs) And, and, uh, and they're like, oh no, we should, it should be a sense and sensibility. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) ill, right? (laughs) Like, honestly, I was like, ill because (laughs) Edward Ferraris, come on, like, come on. Is he is he a hero? Is he even a hero? How could you like how could you read Sense and Sensibility and not secretly not secretly crush on Colonel Brandon and Eleanor? They were obviously, I mean, they were just they were mind melding. All of this to say that I just thought it was going to be impossible to to make an Edward Ferrars that anyone would want to root for to to want to like actually get the Hugh the Grant girl. is just ruined for all of us. That's the it's like i'm sorry like you just he, he was just ineffectual i just i i found the character not just hugh grant but like the way that he was written and i understand i feel like i fundamentally understand like jane austen was like look uh girlies come close <laughs> you find a dude that does what he says he's gonna do do not let go <laughs> you know like i understand the unique Je ne sais quoi of Edward Ferrars. It's like at a time, a book of a time, a romance of a time. time, (laughs) Like everybody wanted him to be this thing to them, and the one thing about him, when you open up the uh, sense and sensibility, it's just like, but he was determined to be something else, right? And we get it. We we love you for that. But he was just he was a hard hero for me to root for. And so when they're like, it has to be a sense and sensibility, I'm like, okay, I gotta. I got to find a way to to make Edward and Eleanor two people I could really root for. Mm. And I just started thinking about how, and again, as a cultural anthropologist, I'm always thinking about intercultural conversations that could mm-hmm. potentially be um, interesting. And yeah, I just started to think about this, this woman who was um, uh, well known for what she had done with her body in one way and then becomes well-known for what she had done with her body in another way. Mm-hmm. And just thinking about what would make somebody so reticent to, to be who they really are in the world. And I just started to, to think of Nora from, from, that, um, from that perspective of what would make Eleanor this way and what would make Edward this way in a way that would make sense in, in our century. Mm-hmm. So how did you decide on Maine, on, right, like, you know, kind of how did, I mean, because I think adaptation is like a really interesting, yeah, especially with like Austin. I mean, you know, as a, someone who doesn't read Austin, I'm sort of fascinated by how malleable it really seems to be. Yeah. I mean, you know, there are a million of them, right? Yeah. So that to me speaks to like a really powerful kind of blueprint for a relationship or or like the way people interact with each other. If you can just like sort of really like spin it into so many different ways. So how did, like, how did the process take you from there and those feelings to where it ended up? Yeah. Um, I, one of the things about 
um, their kind of exile to um, Barton is that what what the sister of Fanny was really doing was like essentially kind of ruining their lives, right? <laughs> not only not only minimizing their um, the money that they received, just increment by increment, she was taking that money away. She was also kind of moving them out of their the marriage market. She was throwing them to the boonies, to the nowhereville. Um, and so for a woman at that time, when she's able to, that was their the time when they're able to kind of express the only agency that they could um, have, perhaps marry into this space and, you know, be seen in this um, different way. She moves them essentially to the boonies. And one of the ways that I wanted to, like, bring that to life was this idea of, like, Maine kind of lives in lore for Black folk about, like, not having any Black folk there. So it's like this place that's famous for not having Black people. And so when you think about moving, like, two Black girls to a place, everyone is like, sis, what are you going to do? (laughs) Like, you, you think of Maine. And you're just like, oh, well, she's, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to tell you. You know, you're doomed. Yeah. You know? You're funny. doomed. Yeah. You're doomed. Right? I mean, you know what's funny is my little romance will be at, everybody, little romance is coming to Faded Mates Live. And he goes yeah. to college in Connecticut. Yeah. And he has friends who go to, I don't know, like Amherst. And is that in Maine? And no, it's no. in Western Massachusetts. What's but in basically Maine? the same. Bowden? Something. Yeah, Something's Bowden. in Maine. And he has friends there and he just like kind of like he gets this look on his face that's just very much like we're not going to talk about Maine mother. No, <laughs> and yeah. I was like, I understand. This is yeah. a pass. We c- this is a divide we cannot cross. <laughs> Fine. Well, but what's really interesting and something that I've thought about a lot with your books is and the the comparison to Austin. So people who don't really have don't have have not accessed Austin or don't like spend a lot of time thinking about Austin. Um, you know, like their Roman Empire, is they f- they don't realize that like the stakes in these books are so high because yeah. all Austin is interested in, I think, in a lot of ways for her heroines is the loss of a safety net, right? Yep. Like sh- what she does, I mean, Jen talks all, we talk all the time about how we love a heroine against the wall, right? Like mm-hmm. the prototypical heroines against the walls are these Austin heroines because yep. they have no, they are always stripped of like fathers, brothers, money, power, influence. Like they don't have home. Their literal homes are being taken away exactly. from them. And in many ways that the struggle with a retelling in 2024 of Austin is figuring out how to strip the safety net away without like where, you know, at a time when women can get jobs, have credit cards and, you know, marry who they want. Right. Yeah. Don't worry. They're worried. They're going to roll that back. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. Woo. Hot in here. Okay, got for just one second there. <laughs> no, that's that's so real that you say that because one of the things that I really wanted to focus on, what if you read any Austin, the first thing she's going to rattle off, she's going to tell you about everybody's bag. You know, she's yeah. going to say like, yeah. "This dude's making this much." Uh, I mean, literally. <laughs> no, seriously, like she'll spend the entire beginning, <laughs> and it lets you know like where they stand. Ten thousand pounds a year, right? Ten thousand pounds a year. Like, why was that an an important feature of who Mister Darcy was, right? And so when we think about like retelling a Jane Austen, I I feel like you'd be remiss without the 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 way that those strong economic factors impact yeah these yeah. characters. 
when when I was thinking about Bear, um, everyone, like whether you love Pride and Protest or not, they're just like billionaires, uh, boo. And um, a part of me was like, okay, like what if I made a hero who was who was just fried bologna sandwiches broke? <laughs> yeah, right. Like, can we, could we love him, right? Could we love him? Could we root for for this person who is at the, at, at the mat, right? For like financially. And when we think about what was at stake for Edward moving forward, for Edward Ferrars, when he decided that I'm going to do this because I said I was going to do this and having everything taken away from him because he was going going to do what he said he was going to do. Those economic stakes were life and death at that time. And I wanted to to infuse the true level of like economic stakes at play. And it wasn't like, hey, you guys, love conquers all. All you have to do is love someone. And you can all live in Bear's trailer and at the, you know, and everything will be happy. And one of my characters, Lou, is one of the first people to tell Nora, like, no, that's not, I'm sorry. Love is not just that, you know, we're not children anymore. And so those economic factors become a major and really important um, decision, like fulcrum for both of them. Yeah. Like can't, they can't move forward without having that aspect of their life together. But at the same time, what you're doing here, so you give Nora really interesting, you strip Nora's safety net in a really interesting way, right? So she is... I don't think any of this is spoilers, but she's, no. so she has discovered that uh, she and her sister, her she and her sister discover uh, like pretty instantly that their father had a whole other family and that family is the primary family. Yeah. They're the, They're the real yeah. dashes. Um, <laughs> him dashes, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and they are left this kind of in, in the middle of nowhere and on top of all this, and all that would be enough, right? Like, we yeah. have all read that romance novel before. Sure. In, I mean, sure. not exactly, but right. but then you layer on this kind of, um, this, Im- the, a reputational scandal. Because, yeah. And I feel like it's required in a lot of ways because the loss of money in the Regency is enough to ruin your reputation. It is. But in... The United States in 2024, the loss of money might, you know, ruin certain pieces, aspects of it. But yeah. like people believe in sort of pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, yeah. right? Right. So, but you give her of a, she a, a video, like an, a social media scandal. Yeah, yeah. And um, th- this is so interesting because I feel like, particularly for sense of sensibility, there is so. There's, of course, that economic theme, but when we talk about sensibility, if we're not talking about reputation, if we're not talking about gossip, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like, we're not reading the same thing. And mm-hmm. so, like, having having a person who um, is trying to make herself small, who has been in the process of trying to make herself small after this, um, after this scandal, and she's coming, she comes to these micro-realizations all the time about how she knows how things will kind of turn out, right? Like, because of what's happened to her in the past, because of this um, sex tape, I'm saying tape, but because of the sex tape... The James Spader. That's just like an homage to James Spader. It's fine. We all understand. Yes. Then she, like, she um, hyper-focuses on how people will engage and interact with her. And she is... In a in a way, she's using her own reputation as a like an excuse to like not really engage. 
And so when we think about um, Eleanor, who was constantly like telling her youngest sister, you know, like chill, like, come on, think of, think of how people are going to think of you. I wanted to build this sense of like, um, outside of Regency, what would make a person, particularly in like 2024, when, when something you tweet, something you say can go viral, you can become a meme yeah. just like accidentally. And suddenly you're famous. Your face is famous. Your body is famous. And it's, out, it's so outside of your control. And so for Nora to constantly be cautioning her sister about what can be outside of her control and how her actions can like get outsized results is something that like I wanted Nora to know personally and feel personally to say like, don't go, don't go wilding. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. Trust me. You know, I have been there and, you know, the, the results is not cute. Right. You don't want to have to fix yourself. Yeah. It's bad it's enough we have to side. fix this house or this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the other side of reality, right? Like you go viral, but like what happens with, uh, on the other side of it? These are real people who are famous for that one time in their life when they did something. And everyone thinks that they know you from from that one meme, yeah. that one. 45 seconds of film. 45 seconds of film. And everyone in the world knows you. Yeah. So you set it all against a, a renovation. They have they inherit this dilapidated inn. Perfect. Love it. And they discover that, of course, there's a handsome man who's also on this land. Um, I mean, terrific. And then they have to build this inn and re essentially build themselves a new safety net community, love, and this house. Yeah. So when we asked you to come on, we said, We've come on and talk. I mean, we've done a Now we've spent, you know, however long talking about Austin and we'll stop, Jen. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> but yes, that's fine. I'm but, still here. Everybody. <laughs> I just want y'all to know that I'm here. Um, but we want to talk about renovation romance because mm-hmm. this is a big thing in romance. And the it more is. I've thought about it over the last couple of months, the more I've been like, oh, no, this is like bedrock to like modern romance, the modern romance novel. And I would even say, you know what I was thinking? I was thinking about, like, my first, like, really memorable encounter with this, like, trope. And it actually was not in a book. It was in a – I'm going to age myself. It was in a movie with Tom Hanks and Shelley Long called The Money Pit. Oh, Either of you see yes. this? Oh, yeah. Don't – Right? Don't – By the way, everyone, don't watch that movie after you've bought a 100-year-old house. <laughs> <laughs> And it's just like all I remember is that like the, it like they buy this house and it is it, like a money pit. Like at one point, oh, like she falls through a the fucking ceiling, right? I mean, yes. yeah. Yes. I mean, and I just remember just really being like fascinated by it. Like Tom Hanks in the eighties had a string of very cheesy, funny he movies did. before he became like a serious actor. He did. Outside of like nor- you know, like death or you know, like what can put a relationship under an intense amount of pressure. Yes. Renovating something. <laughs> right? Having to not only like deal with the stress of things not going the way it's supposed to go, but making decisions together and like finding out that you have different ta- I mean, right? Like so I think it really just reveals something in a way that feels like it's not trauma based, which I think is nice. Yes. Honestly, my first entree into renovations, um it was historicals, right? There there's always this woman who uh 
who's like a delicate English rose who's transported to this dilapidated Keep Scottish. I have you know, a list. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. Yes, that's yeah, you for sure. Scottish right? castle, right? And why are the um, furs on the windows? It's dirty. I don't know. Nobody's <laughs> changed the rushes on the floor. Yes, yes, yes. There are what just the dog rushes everywhere. everywhere. Particularly, I mean, I, I think the first one I read was about this heroine who makes lists. Right. <laughs> and, and and it was all about like she was ingratiating herself with the community, with the people that the laird was in charge of. And she would do all of these things by way of renovation. And then at the end of the book, not only were was their relationship solid, but their house was banging. Yeah. And the servants stopped feeding her poison. Like it was just perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I th- so then that's the other part of it too, right? Like it's going from like a st- a structure to a home, right? I mean, it's like like a, like a very explicit metaphor for that too, right? This week's episode of Faded Maids is sponsored by Avon Books, publishers of Tessa Bailey's Fangirl Down. Sarah, what is a fangirl to do when the object of her fandom, in this case, golfer Wells Whitaker, essentially has given up on the game? Josephine Doyle can tell that his heart's not in it anymore. And in fact, Wells is essentially ready to quit. She is the only fan he has left. She calls herself Wells's Bell. It's honestly very Oh my cute. God. Adorable. <laughs> and he's just like, I, you're the last person to believe in me and I need you to stop because I need to go like sulk in my man feelings. So he does that. He quits. She's like, fine, I'm over it. Only then her family's golf shop gets destroyed in a hurricane and he sees her and realizes that he can help her out. So he shows up and he says, you can be my caddy because she knows all how to golf herself. Is that a euphemism? <laughs> yes. And <laughs> obviously, once she becomes his caddy and not just his fan, things really change between them. This is a great romance, right? She essentially has all the faith in the world in him and herself. They have to travel to faraway destinations and be in oh. sexy hotel rooms and I love it. balls fly around. <laughs> Sorry, okay, everybody. listen, we love Tessa Bailey here. We're avowed longtime Tessa Bailey fans. We've done multiple episodes about her. If you love Tessa Bailey the way we do, you're going to want this book. If you love rom-coms, if you love grumpy sunshine stories, if you love celebrity sports romances, this is for you. You can get Fangirl Down in print, ebook, or audiobook and... If you are listening in select podcasting apps, you can look down at the chapter title right now, click it, and it'll take you directly to purchase the book. Thanks, as always, to Avon Books for sponsoring this week's episode. Jen and I were texting this morning. <laughs> I think that, and I, I, I think the textbook example of this is Julie Garwood's *The Bride*, which we oh. did a deep dive on. Alec Kincaid, stop. Yeah. Everybody take a break and, you know, just honor Alec Kincaid. yourself. Moment of silence for Alec Kincaid. And the back bride. There. So, and the reason why, and we've done a deep dive on it, but if you have not read The Bride or reread The Bride recently, it's very worth it. It's First of all, it's hysterically funny, like the prototypical comedy in romance, right? Like it's so sexy, so funny, so romantic. It's exactly what I want rom-coms to be. And, um, and, but more importantly, the, so good. (laughs) She's so the heroine asks, he's basically like, now you're mine quite literally. Sure. And you just live here. Like, and just, 
don't bother me. Like, yeah. we'll have <laughs> sex at night. And like, but sure. otherwise, like, just kind of don't make a mess of things and like, yeah. don't change anything. And she's like, yeah. okay. And she's obviously like, I'm changing fucking everything. <laughs> like, <laughs> this man does not know how to live. And then she says, do you mind if I just like rearrange the kitchen? And he's like, no, that's fine. You could, the kitchen is women's stuff. Yes. Sure, that's lady you stuff. You know what? Perfect. Rearrange the kitchen. The kitchen is in a building that is at a distance from the main house. And so the servants are cold in the winter. They have to moving walk through the snow. Uh. Food through the snow. So by rearranging the kitchen, she decides, I'm just going to move it to attach it to the main house. And he goes away warlording or something yeah. and then comes back <laughs> And there, and there's a hole in the. They're literally brick by brick. His, she has, she has amassed all of the soldiers he's left at home to keep them safe, to just like basically renovate the kitchen, like bring the whole thing closer, attached to the main keep. And he's like, "What on earth is happening?" And his like buddy who was left in charge of keeping her safe was like, "She told us you said she could rearrange the kitchen." Yeah. And then he's like stuck in this very great hero moment where he's like, well, and in his head, he's like, I didn't mean she could fucking move a building, but yeah. I can't admit that I didn't like, right. Uh, so yes, I did say she could do <laughs> that's That's a- another perfect example. It's like this great way for both the hero and heroine to like show like, okay, I am a caring person. Like this started off with like the servants being cold. Yeah. So this is like this fundamental, like yeah. change in right. her personality chain, right? To say like, she cares about this and she's going to rebuild this. And then he is a man of his word and man of honor. So he can't knock upside the head, you know, <laughs> <laughs> going, you know, completely outside of what he said. <laughs> he has to be yeah, like, exactly. okay, but we don't want smoke in the house, honey. And she's, <laughs> exactly. we have to build a walkway. He like they eventually they they invent the breezeway. That's what happens. They invent wow. the breezeway. <laughs> <laughs> the shotgun house. <laughs> can I mention an I don't do I mean maybe we can have more historicals because I want to talk about another really like prototypical renovation romance kind of trope for me is the secret house. And so here's what and a recent example of this is Love Her or Lose Her by Tessa Bailey. Which is a book I actually really liked. I think it's a really great marriage and trouble romance. Um, she has which, a whole fixer up series. Yes, right. So the, yeah, their whole se- there's a whole series. I really like the first one, which is um, fix her up. Fix her up. Um, it's this the set in the second one though. Like Dom essentially is you know he went off to army and he came back a mess and they can't talk anymore and they had this like super intense like. I mean, they just, like, met in high school and it's just, like, locked in. And um, he doesn't know really how to make her happy and he doesn't know how to talk to her anymore. And, like, the book is really about, like, one of the things I really liked about the book is, like, we understand that he is really wrong. But, like, she can find ways that she has not, like, been, like – like that, like love language idea, like as cheesy as it is, right? Like she hasn't been taking care of him either. Like, how can I show him that like I care about him? How can he show me he cares about me? And it, it turns out that he has secretly bought a house, that he has been secretly renovating by himself, that he was hoping to basically just like show to her and then she would understand like how much he loves yes. her. Yes. And I have got to tell you, I love Secret House. Like I just, even as a kid was like, 
wait, you could just like buy a house for somebody and then be like, surprise, like those old Toyota commercials where the car <laughs> yeah. is in yeah. like the, you the know, ribbon, like with a bow. And you didn't have to talk to your wife about right? it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like she would not have any opinions at all about any of it, obviously. I mean, it's a Toyota. Of course she said yes. <laughs> right? I guess it was probably Alexis. Anyway. No, this is the this yeah. is you're totally right. That trope exists in it in it. It is in so many books, the like, and yeah. I bought your childhood home and fixed it up. Yes. Or I bought yes. your right, right. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like yes, all of that. And I, I really think that it's like a I think it's an important, like kind of because it's like home renovation is penance. Yeah. <laughs> Which right? frankly, there's no fair. better penance than you have yeah. to deal with and drywalling. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Okay. I see I see your secret house. I want to rise you. <laughs> house of secrets, right? Oh, okay. So, I like it. Like if we're thinking of renovations, I'm thinking of like the queen of renovations, uh romance like Nora Roberts. Nora Roberts. Yes, so right? many loves yeah. a, loves a reno ra- romance. Loves a reno, but also like in I, I remember reading one um where they are renovating this house and she's a child star and like she, uh, she finds these letters, but that's not the only one, right? Where you're renovating a house, you knock out a wall and now suddenly there's this mystery of the house mm-hmm. right. mystery of like what has happened to the former owners or like it, particularly how it relates to someone's childhood or the future, or, or maybe someone's like literally going into the future or past mm-hmm. like with, with the house. So it's like the, the renovations, like also open up this kind of, I don't know, like this portal of secrets into sure. this other into this other world. And I just love when when a house one secret house is like, hey, I did this thing without you, but the house can also like be full of these secrets. Yeah, and like even if there are no hiccups with how the house comes together, which is often the case when those houses are full of those things, like the two characters still have to like put their heads together to solve this new mystery that the house renovation has kind of like yeah. brought brought up. So a good example of that is end of story by Kylie Scott. Absolutely. Have you, have you read that one where she, yeah. like they basically find the letter in the wall that is their future divorce certificate. <gasps> oh, right. I never right? read that. And I meant to, she has such good <laughs> ideas. Right. And so there, and you know, and he's basically like, why are you punking me like this? It's like her ex, her ex's like best friend is going to help her renovate or whatever. And she's like, no, I, I didn't like, I don't know if this is either. And it's such a like juicy beginning. I mean, it's really like, what is going to happen? It just seems unreal. Right. So yeah, oh that's, goodness. that's a really good example of that. Um, right. Well, I mean, the idea of a home in chaos, right? Like a yeah. house in chaos yeah. is such a perfect foil to where a romance has to be at the beginning of the romance novel, right? Like, yes, impossible, yes. you know, no way it's going to work out. An impossible right. situation. And yeah. so only then, once you triumph over this impossible situation, like, we've just blown a hole in our wall, yes. can you, like, stitch everything together and be whole and, m- more importantly, like, comfortable? Yeah. yeah. Um, so tell, so, I mean, why is that, is that all it is? Like, I feel like there's, why home, why home renovation? I'm going to say something else that I think is kind of sexist, but I also think it's true. Yeah. I I know what you're going to say. Well, (laughs) 
listen, a handsome man is going to come into your house and be competent. Yeah. Probably he's going to have to take off a shirt. Come on. Competency. It's real hot. Yeah. I don't know. Yep. He's going to have to like wrench things and hammer things. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like, like I'm a simple woman. Be Fine. For real about it. Like, literally, <laughs> I am, like, I have a PhD in anthropology and, like, <laughs> cultural dynamics and, like, uh, but the way that sometimes when, like, my husband is, like, holding a hammer, the way, like, yeah. my yeah, favorite feels. Just, like, it's escapes like, my body. Yeah. just like, ooh, man. <laughs> Under the sink, changing out a pipe. <laughs> Like, Ooh. get out of here. Like, Who even knew you could do that? I'm like, protect me, sir. Like, what are we doing? Right? So, no, that's that's real. I think there's some primordial aspect of that. Mm-hmm. Like, like making home and hearth, right? Yeah. That, that, like, I don't know. I, I think some of it is, some of it is lizard brain. And when I say yeah. lizard brain, I just mean, like. Literally, yeah. yeah. I have yeah. a great book for lizard brain reading. Yes. If anybody <laughs> would like that. I want to talk about Lauren Lane. I've talked about her before. She writes a great, like, real, it goes down real easy, a Lauren Lane <laughs> contemporary. You know what I mean? Like, couple yeah. hours, you're delighted at the end. Sure. <laughs> she wrote a book called Love on Lexington Avenue. All of her books are set in Manhattan. Love it. Um, the heroine, Claire, her husband has just recently died. And in the wake of his death, she has realized that he was cheating on her in a long-term situation. And everyone in their whole friend group knew Oh, and woof. didn't say anything. That's awful. And I mean, awful, right? Rock bottom. And so now you're rebuilding she your lives whole life in this like apartment on Lexington Avenue that's beautiful that they built together. And that she like comes home one day and she's like, it's so fucking beige. I hate <laughs> it. And she's like, I want to throw everything out and like start again. And she hires. This, like, absolute brute of a hot contractor (laughs) to come in and renovate her apartment. And she's like, I want it all to be, like, pink. And I'm buying, like, velour, pink velour couches. And I'm doing it in bright colors. And everything is going to be exactly what I want. Like, this is my space. I'm reclaiming my space. And he's like, this is hideous. (laughs) Like, what are you doing? Nobody wants this. And, like, he's such a grump, and they, like, fall hard for each other. And it is really terrific. And that lizard brain, like, it just fires on all levels. Okay, I love that. And you you just made me think of, like, an offshoot of Home Reno mm-hmm. is, like, is that exact thing of, like, this um, character, oftentimes a woman, mm. who is, like, had this seismic shift in her life and has is just wants a, an entirely new internal environment yeah right so like everything is so beige it reminded me of like one of my favorite movies um something new with oh yeah Nathan, yeah right and- it's it's just the chemistry in the movie is just the chemistry in that movie is insane it's out of this world there's a part where they're like laying in bed together and he's oh. just like like drifting his like finger over her. Yeah. And I was like, you don't see stuff like this in movies anymore where it's it just is just so hot. Delicate. Yeah, it's hot. It's oh. hot. It's not necessarily like a home reno. No, no. Like, he's a, he's a, la- he's doing her landscaping. Isn't that what it is? a landscaper. Yeah. Fine. He's Same thing. It counts. It counts. And he's, she's also like changing her, in, the inside of her house as well. Like she is like 
literally shifting her entire perspective. And this person is like being there as a part of that, like literally planting the soil for her to like become this, this new new person. person. So like, there's that, that aspect of the two people working together on this home renovation where they come into a mess. But then there's also this aspect of like, my life was this. Yeah. And that want it to be this. Right. right? And what yeah. ends up happening is the love that's built in that moment, the like romance that comes out of that moment is a romance for new you. Right? Yeah. Like <laughs> I I see who you are now. Yeah, I honor you. who you are now. And you are the person I love you as you are. Right. This like, I love you with all your pink shit. <laughs> yes, yes. And it's just like this, there's this aspect of like. Sometimes in, in romance or like when you, when a character like comes into themselves, you think, okay, I'm I'm 28, I'm who I am, right? <laughs> and like there there are these like cycles of coming into yourself that continue yeah. to happen like over and over. And like I feel like the the internal decorations or the renovation like romance is like for for all of us who are kind of going through that cycle of reinvention, which we kind of I don't know do yeah. maybe seven years or so. Hey, I'm deciding on these bangs. You know, yeah. <laughs> change this color. Home renovation, <laughs> the ultimate bangs. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yes. No kidding. Yes. You, everybody, bangs are safer and cheaper. I mean, I think that's, I think that's, I mean, I will admit the other safer thing. Safer for your I, marriage, for sure. <laughs> I think that, like, probably appeals is, I mean, I think that, like, it's interesting that, like, the big renovation can usually has, like, either the, like, self, I'm changing myself and this is, like, a symbol of it. Or, like you said, like, I in, I inher- in your book, like, I inherited something that is a mess, but it's the only thing I have. Or it's some sort of lifeline to, like, a new kind of life that I can have for myself. Yeah. Um, and I have to just, like, seize this as an opportunity, even though it looks like it's, you know, a, it's destruction. It's destruction, yeah. right? So, like, Mermaid Inn by Jenny Holiday has has that. Uh-huh. Um, she inherits her aunt's, like, inn, like, summer inn on the shores of, like, Lake Huron. And so this is a place she spent lots of time as a kid and a teenager. She went every summer. And now she's going to go and sort of, like, become the – the person running it, right? And so it's, you know, like it's this new opportunity and it, but, you know, there's all these renovations she has to do. And it's also about like letting go of who she was in the past, right? I mean, in this case, this is a place she's intimately familiar with, but can see that it's flaws. Like there's all these like cheesy mermaid statues and stuff everywhere. And it's like her engaging with like, what am I going to keep? What am I going to get rid of? And, you know, a big part of the, like, what am I going to keep is this, her old boyfriend's in town, right? And, um, you know, he's been trying to forget her for 10 years and now she's back. And so it's like this whole question too of like, you know, like I'm renovating the past. Does that mean I can, can I shine up this old relationship too and make it work now in a way that it didn't when we were younger, right? Mm-hmm. Well, there's something so compelling about being forced into renovation, right? Like there's, it's, and again, it's back against the wall, yeah. which I think was, that button was deeply instilled in me by the movie Baby Boom. Oh, <laughs> God, yes. <laughs> um, oh where God. like, she doesn't, she doesn't inherit a dilapidated house. She inherits a literal baby. <laughs> yeah. She's like baby. a house. <laughs> and so, and she like, but then when she gets up to the middle of nowhere, I think she's in Vermont, not Maine. Um 
you know, she like uh, there's there the movie that lives in my head. The moment that lives in my head forever is like the well runs dry. And yeah. like somebody come and it's like the 15th thing that's go- that's gone wrong with this house that she lives in. Yeah. And she has a baby and she never intended to have a baby. And she, you know, out comes the guy and he's like, your well's dry. And she's like, well, let's just get the hose and fill it up. And he's like, no, <laughs> oh, that's baby. not yeah. well's work. <laughs> and like, uh. you know, you just have this, not only has she inherited this like completely new life that she's sort of being forced to take. She doesn't have a choice, a lot like your yeah. heroine, right? Yeah. Like, this is her only option. Yeah, this is it now, right. And so she moves forward through this landscape and, like, is really resentful in a lot of ways that, like, she has to do this and then comes out on the other side, like, loving her new applesauce business. Well, listen, <laughs> Sam, the scene that lives rent free in my head from that movie is Sam Shepard throwing her across the top of a, like, a pickup truck and kissing her. The, like, just kissing yeah. her. The vet, yeah. the local vet. Wow. I need to rewatch oh, this Nikki. movie. Okay. I mean, I don't know if it holds up, to be honest. But I did love it when I was a kid. Okay. I, I have a like, question for, yeah. for most of you. Why do you think that renovation romances have, like, I feel like almost as a rule, maybe 90% of them, the heroine has to relocate. Like, they they are somehow, like, put in a new or different Right. Space. It's always stranger a, comes to town or like stranger, hero. I, yeah. I guess it's hero goes on a journey. Right. But like. Right. right. Um, well, because I think I, I here's what I think. I think part of it is because often houses are in such bad repair that we cannot stand to think of them having like, I don't know, live there for 10 years, saving their m- meager pennies to try <laughs> and make this renovation happen. Right. <laughs> I mean, so I think that it, it I think the pickup spot for a renovation romance has to be like, I'm ready to start it. Yeah. Right. And so it just feels in some ways, I think, more natural than I've been saving. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I mean, the very thought of like what it would cost to renovate any room in my house. <laughs> yeah. Right. I also think like at its core, th- there's something sort of old school about all renovation romances, in a in a sense. I mean, for lots of reasons, but I do think they stand on the shoulders of this kind of um this proactive heroine who's making who like has no choice or is making an overt choice to change her life right mm-hmm. like i this is the moment the the inciting to to jen's point the inciting moment of the book is not only i'm ready to start the renovation but also like me my renovation yeah. right i and so i think like we naturally as people who love romance and like come from like the grandmothers of romance in many ways mm-hmm. as readers Love a heroine who is proactive, who like sees her cards and plays them, right? And plays them well. I do think um, also it gives us an, I think, you know, we love a heroine in trouble in romance. 100%. And, you know, one of my favorite more recent historicals that does this, this renovation is Cheris Michaels, The Earl Next Door, where Mm. the heroine is an American the the setup of this book is really terrific. The heroine is an American heiress who her um mother ha- has a or her her mother has like remarried and like basically said I'm going to take your whole inheritance and um like give it disperse it between my five new step sons and you can choose wow. one of them to marry. 
And she, the heroine is like, no way. This is my money from my father. She takes the money and runs across across the ocean, across the Atlantic to London, where she buys a house in Mayfair next to an earl, um, an earl's house. She buys, and it's run down. It's like a townhouse that is literally falling apart. But she oh, sinks cool. all her money into it so that her her mother can't access it, right? Like it's all tied up in the house. Yeah. Which is very modern as a concept, right? Like who among us hasn't like tied all our money up in a house in 2024, right? Yeah. And so the, um, but it's so dilapidated that she cannot live in it. So she's made a deal with the previous Earl next door, an old man that she can live in this townhouse while she renovates her own Except he's died while she was on the crossing. So when she gets there, his young, hot, trauma, like trauma filled, like broken, cannot feel a feeling, does not love, like has no hope in the world. Earl, new Earl is like, you can't live here. And the way they meet is that she discovers a secret passageway between their houses. And she's like, but I have to be able to use your house because my stairs have collapsed. So I need to be able to go up and down through your through the walls of your house between I mean so there's like a secret path there's secret passageways they can bang it out without any of the neighbors noticing like it's very cleverly it. put together oh and then of course they have to like he initially is like absolutely not you cannot use my home and she's like too bad look I have a contract like it's legal and then she's like banging <laughs> she's blowing holes in the walls to make sure she can use all like his work workers can come through into her house. It's great. Um, you know, Sheris is very funny too. I think humor is also a big piece of these books. Right. Yeah. Right. I think I think you have to like because otherwise I, I think if if there is not like an aspect of like the ridiculous, anyone who's ever actually dealt with a contractor knows that <laughs> ever high hopes this hair like the the heroine always starts with like these high hopes of like right. what's going to happen and these schedules and then they're like encountered they're right. like, rolled over by like what actually happens and there's like uh, there's so much opportunity for comedy yeah. in those spaces of like what the heroine thinks is going to happen and what actually does happen okay it's, it's i have a i've been i've been sitting on this recommendation because i was like where am i gonna fit this in oh. um <laughs> There's a book called Laying Pipe by Kate Allure. Perfect. First of all, first of all the title. Come yeah. on. <laughs> he is a plumber. Silence for this. Right. He's so good. He's a plumber. <laughs> and she is a librarian. And she is and, – and this one, I think one of the things is it plays against type because she essentially, I think – has is just like owns this house if my memory is correct not that she inherits it she's just like i'm gonna like work away at doing this but um she like you know there's things she cannot do by herself and so joe the plumber her name's lexi um ends up like coming out to help her when like you know some big catastrophic thing happens and the thing that i really liked about this book is so she like loves reading like bdsm romance and he like (laughs) figures this out they have like a lot i mean it's basically like erotic romance like I don't know that I would call it just contemporary romance it's real sexy but it's also like really like these two think it's hilarious that he's a plumber (laughs) 
there's a lot of joking about like holes and like, you know, like all sorts of stuff. And at when one point he creates something called, he calls the drill dough. Uh, Please do not try this at home, everybody, where oh. he like h- hooks it up to like a power tool. Ah! And I just want you to know everyone that they have a very nice time and lots of things get fixed and filled. <laughs> oh my gosh. But I'm bummed. Yeah, I am taking notes. First yeah. of all, real dope. That is the new name of my yeah. god. <laughs> And I think the thing that's funny is I was kind of looking back and I – it must have been on Kindle Unlimited. Now it's like three bucks. Totally worth your time, everybody. Um, it is part of a series called the, I think, Getting Serviced. Uh, and of course I it just, is. I just want you to know that this – but I think the, the thing that's really funny to me about it is it was so clear when I read it that this was an author who was really like – Kind of like wink, wink. Like she knew it was super over the top. She knew it was cheesy. She knew that it was, but it also what like from my memory was like very sweet. Like these two really are like we found each other. <laughs> you can fix my house and make sex toys out of your tools. Honestly, the man on the cover of this book, by the way, this is by <laughs> Kiki Clark. No, Kate Allure. Oh, there's a different. There's yeah, also Kate. one by someone named Kiki Clark, and the man on the cover of the book is okay. Not me googling. You okay. <laughs> like <laughs> no, you one, Yeah, it was funny because I did look. I was like, I, I when I was looking for it this morning, I actually had to Google like on Twitter Drildo because I know I talked about Kate this Allure, before a couple of years. Ago. Yeah, the Getting Serviced series. Uh huh. Sure. Um, well, I might just read this other one too, just to see. Compar- <laughs> yeah, just comparison. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> you know what? I think that's probably a good idea. Yeah. Wow. There is. I've I've now since realized there is a second book in the Getting Service series called Her Gentleman Dom, which I have not read, and I have no idea if it has anything to do. Oh no, Lily's thrown together with a wickedly sexy British architect on a San Francisco building wow. project. There, there it is. Sure. Perfect. Uh, sure. Yes. Um, yeah. Can we talk it- about how home renovation romance can sometimes, especially in these old books, be also about uh, man renovation romance? <laughs> sure. Oh, yeah. I can fix them. <laughs> I swear. <laughs> yeah, I can fix them. I yeah. mean, there's. I think that there is no better example. And I have not reread this book since it came out in, you know, your age days of your <laughs> um yeah, that's official but jude Devereaux's the taming is oh Let me, honestly Listen, any Devereaux, Devereaux you gotta <laughs> i was gonna say you can put a lot of jude Devereaux take, in your honor yeah take a deep breath <laughs> before you get in there <laughs> just just don't go in unawares everyone <laughs> um but the taming is the one where she chooses the heroine is like, you know, moneyed and her she's desperate to get away from like stepmother, stepfather, you know, fa- family, uh, biological family. And so she selects the dirtiest man in like the aristocracy, like this like very dirty, like As in, poor, what do you mean, like just like Charlie Brown's friend? Yeah, like, yeah, like Pigpen. Yeah, like pig Literally dust. like Pigpen. He doesn't understand. Like, he'll marry the only me. only man in the quickly. Regency without access to a daily bath. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's. I don't think it's the Regency, though. I think it's medieval. 
Um, so like, so she selects this man and she chooses him because he's like just like dilapidated. And she's like, <laughs> he will marry me. And then I will, and it's probably, again, I haven't read it in a long time. So it's probably, but Jude Devereaux's like core story is very much like I, she didn't know she was beautiful. Right. Yeah, sure. So like she probably, yeah. like her parents have told her forever that she's ugly. And so she chooses like this man who she thinks will like marry her fast. But in actual fact, of course, she's the most legendary beauty in the land. Of course. Yes. Violet eyes, et cetera. She can, he can <laughs> encircle her waist with her his his fingertips. Oh my God. So that actually, I think ruined me, by the way, everybody. Yep. Violet eyes. Oh. <laughs> I'm sure all of this is true, everyone. I mean, I'm making it up. If it's not, please don't come after me. But the um anyway, but the point is that Len, like, she literally like bathes him, shaves him. It's very Cressley. Jen, your favorite Cressley book. Uh oh, Demon, what is it? Demon from the Dark? Yeah, clean yeah. that man Like, up. where, like, they literally, like, clean, she cleans this man, and then she cleans his whole house, and then she cleans, you know, and then he's, it, like, then he's, like, the most handsome Earl ever in the history of Earls, and they are, like, happily ever after. It's just, like, anything you need to handle, to, you want, you need to make your life better, just, like, a, a good deep clean on all oh levels will make you feel better. It's right. like the girlfriend glow up, right? That's yeah. like the trick on TikTok. It's just like before me, after me. Yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. Oh so that's what's happening here. But this is simultaneous man rehabilitation and home rehabilitation. So. I mean, I feel like a lot of like whether they're explicitly washing his pubes. And, like, <laughs> yeah. There is a lot of like of man fixing in renovation. There's a yeah. lot of like, and it's a and weird you, you thing. Can't be this rigid. You can't you have to see things on this this other side. Like there is a large strand of man fixing and renovation. Yeah. It's like yeah. he started off this way, but I'm going to work. I'm going to massage my my magic and now he's better and the house is better too. Yeah. I mean, I do think that the benefit to your book, for example, is that you have passed over this man renovation piece. Like, yes. And yes. I think the man renovation piece is like very old school and a particular yeah. taste. And I'm not sure I'm wild about it, but in this particular case, I do remember a bath that was, you know. <laughs> I honestly, like when you described the bath, I wrote a, I wrote that down because yeah, a bath I'm, is. I'm damaged and I will absolutely read that. <laughs> well, Nikki, be careful. <laughs> yeah, I, will I mean, absolutely read that. <laughs> okay. Um, Girl, she's like, she was my OG. She was, like she the, was the OG. whole Velvet series. Yeah. yeah. Completely unhinged. Like, even like hitting, like it was so bad. But yeah. why? Why were those my first romances? Like, I'm not, I'm not well. No one was paying attention to what their children were reading. Jen and no. I were talking the other day about, do you remember when we were, Young, uh, there was a at ten o'clock. There was a commercial, and it came on, and it was literally like, <laughs> like it's ten o'clock. Do you know where your children are? Like reminding our parents that like to go find us. Yeah, you, you do have oh. children, and they should probably be in the house because it's a school night. And uh, <laughs> if it was and right I, now, it'd be like it's been ten minutes. Do you know where your children are? Yeah, that's <laughs> exactly. Uh, but Can now I, it feels like it feels like yeah. that that is the same vibe that let us just like read whatever the hell we wanted. And we turned yeah. out great. Look, we're all published authors. Yes. Look at us. We Two did. of you are. Well, Fine. I mean, you're basically <laughs> like honorary. <laughs> no, not at all, everybody. She said, okay, no. Can I bring up another one? Because I was thinking about the historical thing. So another 
I don't know if it's as common, but I mean, I guess it kind of is. But I really loved Cold Hearted Rake, Rake by Lisa Klapis, which is where oh. Devin Ravenel inherits. Yeah. Right? Like this old dilapidated, like Jacobean manner. I don't even know what that means, but I heard that a lot <laughs> in the book. And he <laughs> and he is the one who insists that they have to like bring this house up to date. Right. Like he hires people to like plummet. And it's like he's like, there's not even indoor water. Like what? <laughs> and mm-hmm. I th- and I think that that is like another like really interesting like and I guess it's like a but he's fixing himself up, right? Like he is like, I'm I'm the Earl now and I inherited this mess and all these dumb men before me in the line just couldn't get anything right. But I am gonna be the one to like fix up not just this house, but the estate. Yeah. And not just this is the estate, but the title. And you know, the like put like literally coming in to put things right. Mm-hmm. In a in a like a household in a line a lineage where things had been wrong, and I think that the thing that's interesting about Devin and I'll admit this is the first time I read that book I was like it's okay it just didn't you know but it's a book that has really grown on me over time because I think it sets up it's clearer to me in retrospect that it it was really setting up a whole series a whole way of thinking about like. People who are going to like fix themselves. Because um, his brother, West, is one of the great, like, I'm going to fix myself men in romance, right? Like, West starts off, it is like a drunk. And he is, you know, kind of like shows up and he, you know, is sent out to talk to the tenants and he like is can't even do it because he's so wasted. And then like Devin goes and leaves him there and comes back and like West has been working so hard, like Devin doesn't even recognize him anymore. Mm -hmm. And then it's like several books later where West gets his own his own book, right? And he is so punished. He punishes himself for the Mm -hmm. mistakes he made as a young man. And I think that, like, in this case, Devin gets the title, and so there's things that he can do, and that comes, like, the respectability is just, like, built in once that happens. But for West, like, defining his own renovation, right, takes a lot more time, and he really is hard on himself. Like, I'll never be able to, like, let go of those things I did in the past. And I think that, like, there's a lot in Clapis. There's a lot of, um, you know, even Sebastian, right? Like, it's like he inherits the the casino or whatever, Evie's dad's club, and he has to, like, fix it all up. And so I think that there's a way in which Clapis, for sure, I think, leans into some of these. But, you know, Cold-Hearted Rake was a book. The first time I read it, I was like, it was okay. I didn't love it. But m- more and more, I appreciate I think how just how great it really is. And we we talked a little bit about the like the gender dynamic of renovations, but yeah. do you think it matters when a um man is trying to fix up a house and their name and uh yeah. an interior area, right? Because oftentimes we know interiority is oftentimes yeah. associated with femininity, right? Right. Right. Does it change the dynamic when there is a man um doing that work of like interiority? Well, I think it's interesting to think about, like, what that looks like for them, right? And I think, like, there's a way in which I think it's very purposeful that, like, what Devin wants to do is fix, like, the bones of the house. Yeah. Right? I have to get in and, like, rebuild the structure, like, the structure of it. Yeah. As opposed to he's not as interested about, like, 
drapes and right like that kind of stuff right so i i do think that and you know like that's gendered i'm not gonna say that it's not but i do think that there's like a real purposeful reason that like that is the thing that he cares about yeah um whereas like when winterborn wants to like lure helen right he's gonna build her a glass house right up in the top of up on the top of winterborn for her orchids i mean so it's like in in his case he's very explicitly it's like i'm making a home for her and here's what that's going to look like for her and that i think is like really the core of it like what does it mean to make a home for the people you love yes yes making space and there is a certain level of responsibility and i think nikki you do this in your book too with your hero right but there's this sense of like ownership of the land like responsibility to the people on the land responsibility to the history of the land and i can see you have something to say so i'm gonna let you say it no no (laughs) i I just like that was one of the things so i did a ton of research with um with a lot of folks in the native community in maine and one of the things that like i was able to sit in on some council meetings about like salmon and water rights and who has access to the water and also like what's happening with the disease on black ash trees and this was like this this small line that when when my character bear who's an abenaki um who's a native abenaki is laying out his terms one of the things that he says is like you are going to like t- register every like black ash tree in this in this land that you have and if you're going to cut any tree down like we'll check if it's black ash and you'll donate it to the tribe because like it it it's it's not only like hey I'm going to teach you um how to like build this house right mm-hmm. it was like you you have to take care of this land because it's not literally just like throwaway land you can throw fences around like this really means something to to the community and to everyone around you. Yeah, I think that sense of responsibility, and again, this is gendered in a lot of ways, right? Because like you said earlier, Nikki, like the heroines in these old, especially these older books, like turn up and then they like find community and they care about like, you know, the servants in the cold or whatever. But the heroes their pathway into love in so many of these books is like a responsibility pathway, sort of like I'm a Duke and my responsibility yeah. is to, and this, this sort of now I just had this moment, but like in those old books, there was always the like shorthand of the responsible Duke, even if he had been like the absolute worst to the heroine was that yeah. he was always thatching always. roofs yeah. yes. on like yes. farmers' oh cottages. Right. Yeah. This just bl- uh, this just blew my mind. Like, why are they always thatching roofs? <laughs> <laughs> Every duke knows how to roof thatch a roof. Every duke is a roofer. <laughs> oh my god, that is I can't I can't believe that I missed that tiny detail. <laughs> well, here we are. <laughs> Amazing. Yes, yes, but again, there's that that like reaffirming that relationship between the exterior and the interior and who gets yeah. to own and who gets to work on, even if it's this joint renovation, who gets to work on the, the inside and, and outside of a, of a home. It's just very, it's very telling about kind of where we are in society. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like the other, Oh, go ahead. I just want to say like one more thing. I think one of the things that is interesting about like book renovations versus like HGTV renovations is it never feels like it's surface. 
Like, right? I don't know if that makes sense. Like, when I watch those shows where you're like, it was $1,000, you can change the look of this whole room. And you know, like, eight weeks later, everything is falling apart. Yeah. yeah. The walls like, are right? peeling. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, that is not the way renovation is ever handled in romance. It is, like, we are really, like, digging deep. Yeah. We are, down to the studs. Are, yes. Yeah. yeah. Right? I mean, and so it's a very different vibe than than the kind of way that we see it happening. Yeah. I don't know, right? It's really – it's, like, real. We're really changing things. We're really fixing things down at the level of, like, where they were broken so that, like, like the foundation is now solid. Oh, come on. Now, are we in church? Because that was kind of like, – You're welcome. That was – honestly, that was, that's, that's, kind of, that's kind of beautiful when you think about the renovation stories are really, like – you are foundationally like trying to shift something like inside of you. Yeah. And like these, these women that go on this journey, like they get to be successful in changing who they are and uplifting themselves oftentimes uprooted. Right. We talked about yeah. like, and being successful in a, a completely different place with a completely different connection of, of folks. Like they yeah. get to actually do it and do it well. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Well, this is, uh, for me, romance is all about finding identity, right? Like be, yeah. finding your secure identity and home, like it or not, is is a huge part of that for us as a as a people. Research is me search. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I do think we would be remiss. I want to just shout this out because I know people are going to mention them in the um, in Instagram and Twitter. And so I just want to say like, if you love this setup, if you love a dilapidated castle and, you know, the people who save it, you must read Tessa Dare's Castles Ever After series. It's the whole series. It's just people who inherit castles. Um, it is my favorite one is When a Scott Ties the Knot because the heroine, it's such a ridiculous setup that I love so much. The heroine writes mystery letters to like a person she she invents a person on the front and is writing letters to the him and telling everyone that he is her fiance and then uh when the war is over and he turns up and is like i have all your letters and i now you have to marry me and i need your castle so there um that's a fun one but uh yeah i just know everybody's gonna say what about castles ever after so now we've said it Yes, absolutely. That that. Any others, Nikki, that we've missed that you want to make sure we shout out? Um, there's some contemporaries. Um, I think Farah Rashan, right? Mm. I think she has one always and forever, and it's literally about to a, a woman who wants to own her own. You know, she's like really wanted to buy her childhood home, and she's a interior decorator and. She, and of course, like this old ancient home. And um, there's this guy, of course, buying up home, snaps it up before her, right? So she's already, there's animosity. She's like, but like, this is my, this was my dream. You didn't know this, but this is my dream, right? So he hires her to like work on the inside, obviously, right? As he has bought the outside. And it's just, it's, it's really sweet. It's a really charming story. Again, but it's about how this this woman's idea of herself and how much she had attached it to her childhood home like is literally changing as she renovates the inside of her own home like read body read self 
right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in those spaces. Yeah. So Farrah Sharon is a good one. She writes some of my favorite romances. You can yeah. never go wrong with a romance by Farrah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Classic. And your book, Sex, Lies, and Sensibility, is out now. February 13th. Yeah. So it is out now. It's out now. Yes. (laughs) It's out now. You can get it uh, wherever books are sold. You can also get it if you attend Fate It Mates Live on March 23rd. With swag, we're told. So much swag. Oh, amazing. Um, And Nikki will sign it for you. At Fade of Mates Live. Um, there are links in show. You can go to fadeofmates.net slash live to get tickets. And uh, there's a link there, too, that will take you to the Rip Bodice pre-order page. So you can make sure that there is a copy of Sex, Lies, and Sensibility waiting for you the night of, yes. of Fade of Mates Live. Um, but you'll also there will also be books on hand that night. Um, Nikki, do you have a local bookstore where people can buy signed copies or anything that we need oh, to shout out? Absolutely. Um, East City Books is oh, one of my place. favorites. Oh, it's so fantastic. East City Books. Um, you can order it there. You can order from Park Books, Maryland also. Fantastic place. Um, yeah, Loyalty Books, literally. The whole like DC region. Everyone's friendos. It's great. And Nikki, you're still on tour right now. So tell everybody where they can find you and see you. On February 23rd, I'm going to be in Brooklyn at the Ripped Bodice. I'm going to be in conversation with Satoria Ray, and she is fantastic. We're going to have a great time. Amazing. And I think there are a few other places. But people can find them at your website, presumably. Yeah. Tell us about your website. Where is that? Nikki Payne Books www.nikkipainbooks.com like it's just it's a bunch of Jane Austen memes that's all I am <laughs> fair <laughs> and are you on social media I am that is also Nikki Payne books on Instagram which I'm the most active in um I am very excited about doing one thing on X normally not on Twitter a lot but I think I'm going to live tweet that new sense of sensibility on Hallmark just Ooh, because a I lot know. of like Lady Karens are mad about it. So I just, I have to provoke the, Perfect. I have to provoke the, the Lady Karen DeBergs. I must. <laughs> Lady <laughs> Karen DeBerg. Oh my yes. God. <laughs> Amazing. I must. I um, must. Well, this, you are always, we love having you on, as indicated by the fact that we begged you to come to Fade Mates Live. Um, oh gosh, no, I, I would die to come. I love this place. So, so excited. Uh, I think that's yeah. that. I mean, I we'll hope if you you're then. in the middle of a renovation out there, everyone, it's going the way it goes for romance, romance author, romance characters, and not the way it goes for, you know, normal people. And yeah. um, uh, other than that, I'm Sarah McLean. I'm here with my friend Jen Prokop and Nikki Payne. We are Faded Mates. Uh, you can find us online at FadedMates.net, on Instagram at FadedMatesPod, on Twitter at FadedMates, um, and all the other. We're working on building up all the other ones, too. <laughs> We're trying, everybody. Um, like I said, you can find us at FadedMates Live in Brooklyn at the William Vale Hotel on March 23rd, 2024. Tickets are available at FadedMates.net slash live. If you super love talking about romance novels as much as we do, you can join our Patreon at betamates.net slash Patreon. If you're a member of the Patreon, you get immediate access to the Discord where literally a thousand other romance readers are talking about romance all the time. Why would you not want to be a part of that 
wacky group. <laughs> Amazing. Thanks so much, Nikki, for joining us. And thank you. We will see you very soon. 